I'm Pastor Paul Begley, and I'm serious. Mm. We've got a great show for you today. Now, some of you watched last week uh, Bishop Larry Raglan with us from Birmingham, Alabama, the great church he pastors, Solid Rock Church. Well, look, we got him back. He's told us just a little bit of the story, but there's a lot more in it, and it will define the moment maybe in your mm. life when you hear what God can do. Listen, I'm going to say right now, God can turn, he can take a little and make a lot. He can turn your situation around. Don't ever give up. Don't ever cave in, but believe in the Lord Jesus Christ that he can bring you through. And when we come back, we're going to be meeting again with my good friend, Bishop Larry Raglan, in just a moment. All right, folks. All right. I'm telling you, I'm excited for this broadcast because I feel like somebody out there is going to have a defining moment and a life-changing experience. Because, listen, no matter what's happening to you, God is in control. That's what David Wilkerson said, no matter what's happened to any of us. Well, the man that's been through it all and has survived it, mm. Bishop Larry Raglan with us today. Bishop, great Thank to you. have you Thank again. You. Such Praise an honor. God. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. Honored to be here. Look, we've heard from people this week. That show last week just mm. touched some hearts. Praise the Lord. And you know, I like to dig into Bible prophecy, and, and we like to talk about these things. Yeah. But if people don't overcome the issues of their life, yeah. it doesn't matter when the Lord's coming back. Yeah. If you ain't got things right with God, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you, it's a matter of receptivity. Mm. You cannot receive truly from God if you don't believe that you are created in His image, if you wow. don't believe that, that you're worthy to even receive from God. Mm. I mean, I was raised in a Christian home, as I've said, uh, but, you know, my idea of that was messed up because my idea of the Word of God and God was being filtered through my messed up life. So, so it's like I, it was not a big deal for me like it should have been. It was, I was distorted. It was distorted because my image of the Father was distorted because of what I went through with my Father. And then, of course, you know, at the age of 10, um, my mom finally left my father. And, of course, then from age 10 all the way through middle school, high school, I was raised by a single mom who was a great mom who worked very hard to provide for us and all that. But when you're raising yourself is basically what I was doing, uh, and you've got all those issues. You have to learn how to mask. So I began to be the loudest person in the room. I was the jock, you know, I was right. playing football. I was popular in high school and all this. And there was this persona. Uh, my wife says that uh, I was sort of full of myself, but I don't believe that. I, <laughs> I, I believe that was just a, a confidence. Yeah, okay, uh, you know, okay. That's what I call it. Okay. But uh, she, she tells me all the time, she, I used to watch you walking in the hallways. You thought you was something. Right, was, right. But really, she found out later that was all a facade. Yeah. Because we fell in love, and, and I think really truly because of God putting us together, uh, that young high school girl, she really fell in love with the real me. But I was working so hard to impress her because, you know, when you have issues of father issues and things like that, what you really have is affirmation issues. You're mm. looking for someone to affirm something good in you. Yeah. So you're always pretending to be something, always trying to get, man, you're great, boy, because you spent all your life not believing that. You still yeah. really don't believe that. So we fell in love, and uh, that's the premise of the book here is that God used this beautiful girl to speak some words so in my life. So do you life. believe God sent her specifically into your life? Without a doubt, brother. It's divine. Without a doubt. I, I truly believe that if God would not have sent my wife into my life, 
uh, I would not be sitting at this table right now with you. I may not be even be alive. I wouldn't be sitting here with you if it weren't for Heidi and Come my on, life. come okay, on. We married so, up, yeah, didn't come we? On, you come know on. what I'm saying? That's what I'm talking so, about. Wait, yeah. Wait, let's, yeah. No, that, yeah. None, none of you out there, don't sit there and say that you're, whatever you're doing in life that you're doing it by yourself. Because yeah. I'm telling you, without your wife, without your companion, without half of you, yeah. The better half of you, most yeah, of us. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you would, none of us could do what we do. Yeah. I, re I remember the Christmas Eve that I asked her to marry me. Yeah. I remember that day th saying to myself, now I'm going to do this tonight, but I know beyond a shadow of a doubt there's no way she's going to say yes. She's dating me. She likes me. She says that she loves me, and I believe she thinks that, but... I'm not worthy of this. I'm not. So you're still doing that not worthy thing. I'm still thing. doing it. I'm like, there's no way she's going to say yes. She said yes, blew my mind. I remember leaving that night going, I'm going to mess this up. There's oh. no way this is going to make it. There's no way we're going to get married. She said yes, but she don't know the real me. So we got engaged. We were living our life. We were going to church. And uh, so we got a little trailer that we was fixing up we was going to live in. And I, you know, she's counting on me to be responsible. Right. So I put all the bills in my name and all this. But because of my inadequacies, I had never learned responsibility. I didn't pay any of the bills. I spent all, <laughs> I, I spent all my little bit of money that I had taken her out. Yeah. So that she would, impressive. So she Still would feel impressive. impressed. And she's thinking I'm paying the power bill. She thinks I'm paying the phone bill, all this kind of stuff. We're over there painting one night. She's getting ready to go home. She says, I need to call my mother and tell her that I'm going home. She picks up the phone. There's no dial tone. She's like, why is there no dial tone? And she starts, things start making sense. She's like, did you pay the power? Did you pay the phone bill? Oh. And I had to begin to tell her, no, I haven't paid anything. Uh, and and oh. she was like, what? <laughs> and, and, and there's something else I need to tell you. I've been arrested. Oh, my. And oh she's my. like. Now, how close are you to getting married? I mean, you're not far. I mean, months. We're, we're, yeah, we're months away. Yeah. We're months away. And, and I've been arrested and I've got a court date. And I don't know if you even want to still be with me. So she's still processing all this. Oh, yeah. Somehow she stays with me and goes to that court date, which is the... Goes to court with you. Goes to court with me, which is the defining moment okay. of my life. Okay. Um, and it is at that moment that the judge ridicules me, mocks me, says, what in the world are you thinking? I'm standing there thinking, it's over. Everything I thought was going to happen, this is the moment that it ends. Here it is. I walk out that courtroom, I walk, and in my mind, I'm rehearsing, rehearsing what I'm going to say to her. And I walk up to this beautiful girl, and I look at her, and I say, Sandy, I want you to keep the ring. I want you to turn around, and I want you to walk away. I want you to find you a man that deserves you, because I am not that man. Wow. I do not deserve you, and the man you thought you fell in love with is not the real me. Mm. You're beginning to see the real me. I have crushed and destroyed every relationship I've ever had. I knew this was going to happen. And it's so you, I love you too much for you to have to live with a man like me. Walk away. She grabbed my hand. A little 19 year old girl grabbed my hand and she said, I'm not leaving you. Mm. And I said, leave me, please leave me. She said, I'm not leaving you. And I said, Sandy, why in the world would you stay with me? I offer you nothing. And Pastor, she grabbed my hand and she said, because when I look into your eyes, I see greatness in you. Oh. And when she said that, Pastor, my, the whole world stopped. I almost fell to my knees and I said, what did you say? She said, I see greatness in you and oh. I'm not leaving. And something came on me 
And at that moment, I realized I am not that man. Mm. I'm telling you, five simple words changed my life. So five words undid or could have or was in the process of undoing yes. years, years of negative abuse and, and you even buying into this. I'm going to mess it up. I'm yeah. going to mess it up. Yeah. I took her hand and I walked away from that courthouse in a way I'd never walked away. I said to myself on the inside, I am going to make it. We are going to make it. God, you have done something in my life. I walked away knowing right then that I was not who I'd spent my whole life thinking I was. Just because of five words. Five words. But this was the love of your life believing yes. in you. Yes. This is amazing. Let me just say something. Jesus Christ, when we mess things up, some mm. of us, uh, and, and think that we're absolutely wrecked our life, yes. wrecked our hope. He never gives up. He still sees greatnesses because yes. we're made in the image and likeness of God. Yes, yes. And so I think a lot of us, all of us, yeah. at some point have to come to a point where we say to ourselves, look, God loves me still. You, you got to believe that. But you had to first meet someone who, who believed in you in your darkest hour, yes. in, in a moment of defeat, really. And when that person speaks in your life, things like that are so life-changing. It's their mouth, but it's God speaking through Right. It. I've asked her many times, I said, what would cause a high school graduate, only been out of school for two years, this little, she's still a girl. What would cause you to say something like that? That was so out of her character too. She didn't say things like that. She said, Larry, it was God. She said, I felt God speaking through me. It was nothing but God. And that's, that's what this book is about. This book is about unlocking the hidden potential in every single human being that mm. is alive. Yeah. And God wants to speak that into your life. But for the 99% of the people, he don't speak in an audible voice like that. I see greatness in you. It, or, or, or there's potential in you or there's a purpose you have in your life. He does that through his word. Amen. And he does that through people. Mm -hmm. God uses godly people. But you know what? You've got to make yourself available for somebody yeah. to speak into your life. Wow. You've got to get to a point, and sometimes that means you've got to hit rock bottom yeah. before God is able to yeah. speak to you. And uh, it's, it's at that moment when we're, where we have nowhere else left to turn, a lot of times when God can finally yes, step in and move. So we get conditioned. We're like clay in the potter's hand. Yes, yes. We get, we get molded and shaped and, and, and get in position to hear yeah. the word of the potter. So that happened to you. That was the defining moment. Yeah. Now, as a pastor, you minister to lots of people. Yes. And do you still look into the eyes of folks that remind you of you? Oh, absolutely. It wasn't long ago I, I had a, in a great and powerful service. I was sort of sharing a little bit of my testimony. And I said, you know, church was good crowd and all this. I said, how many of you today as adults in this room still find yourself being defined by the things that your mother and your father and those that loved you as a child spoke of your life. I'm talking about a room full of 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80-year-old people. Half of the congregation. Raised their hand. No, they came to the altar what? and stood. From one side of the stage to the next were men and women of all ages weeping and crying, some of them as old as 70, that were still saying, I can't get over oh. what was said to me when I was a child. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So people are carrying this weight. They're carrying, you know, Jesus said, cast your cares upon, uh, uh, Peter said it, cast your cares upon him for he careth for yes, you. Yes. Jesus said, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden. Yes. I'll give you rest. Yeah. So we're carrying some stuff. We need to lay it at the foot of the cross, yeah. Pastor. Yes, we do. And, and, and that's, it's easy. That's a tagline. sounds real. No, it's, it's another easy. thing it's to do easy. it, isn't it? It's not easy. And that's why so many people finally cry out to God. 
when they hit the bottom. And, you know, why'd you do this, God? Why'd you do it? Well, God didn't do it. But God sometimes will allow us to get to a place where we have nowhere else but to look does up. Does God get blamed for a lot of things the devil does? Oh, my goodness. That's the greatest crime in the church, <laughs> if you want to call it that, is, is, is things that the devil... And I'll tell you this, on the flip side, now this might not line up with many people doctrinally, but some of the things we give the devil credit for is actually God Hello. trying to open our eyes as well. I'm finding and, that out in Bible prophecy. God's getting blamed for a lot of things that the prophecy said that the devil would bring upon the earth. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. So, so God, God's going God's to move some events to get the attention of his children. Amen. And I don't mean he did them. He just allows some things to happen. I, he didn't cause me to be stupid and get arrested. No. He didn't cause me to have to have a record and all that kind of stuff. But he allowed that to happen. And I've been asked a hundred times. Knowing all that I've read your book, Pastor, I've seen all that you've been through and come through. If you could go back before you asked Sandy to marry you and change everything that happened before that moment, would you go back and change it? And I say, no hesitation. Don't even need to pray about it. Absolutely not. Because what I went through made me the man I am today and made me appreciate that defining moment and the defining moments that I've had since then. They were all defining moments in my life because of the stuff that I was going through Amen. to prepare me for that moment. Well, Bishop, this is awesome, but folks, it's not the whole story. Nope. And the book will bring, it's a tearjerker, okay? It's a page turner. You won't, I'll tell you what happened to you. You start reading it, you will read it all. You won't stop till you get to the end. That's what's so amazing about it. It's a, tr it's a true story. But you're, you've got past this hurdle. Yes. This is your defining moment. I see greatness in you. Yes, but it's, you're not out of the woods yet, are nope, you? Nope. And when we come back, we're going to talk some more with Bishop Larry Ragland, Birmingham, Alabama, in just a moment. All right, folks. All right. I tell you what. Uh, you know, you, if this was all the story, <laughs> it would still be an amazing story. But really, in some ways, it's just the beginning, Yes, Bishop. yes, yes. You and your wife, okay, she's get, she's, she sees greatness in you. Yeah. But let's, let me see some greatness now, Larry. Yeah, well, you know, my wife and I, if, if you would have gone back and talked to us uh, after that when we got married and asked us, hey, where do you, what do you see the Lord doing with your life? I can guarantee you the words from both of us would be, he's going to bless us. We're going to go to church. We're going to have a family, and I'm going to work. She's going to work. We're going to have a, the white picket fence, all that kind of stuff. The ministry was as far away from our mind as possible. But we got married in May okay. thinking, okay, we're just going to live for the Lord. By August, I was a youth pastor of the same year. So, so literally, <laughs> okay. other than just from May to August, right. our entire life has been ministry. Right. And then not long after that, I pastored my first church. We've been in pastoral ministry now for over 30 years. And you know, the ministry's a hard life. Oh, yeah. And uh, so we've gone through, as you know our story, many multiple building projects. And it ain't just building projects. We, we took on projects that we, we would buy buildings that were condemned, dilapidated, had to be restored. A lot of hard work. God has blessed us. We were being used by God. We were just, not only were we seeing our potential, we were pastoring. We were happy. We had two children. We were content. And, uh, but then you understand, and I didn't know it. I had to learn the hard way again. Another defining moment was coming is that sometimes we can get so busy working for the Lord that we forget the Lord that we're working for. Oh, come on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, oh, yeah. And I was so busy working for the Lord that not only had really neg neglected my relationship with God, 
I was completely oblivious to the, the neglecting that I was doing to my wife and yeah, my children. I know. You know, so it was it was just becoming something. And the doors were opening for me to go and travel and preach. On the surface, it looked like everything I dreamed for as a pastor to do for the Lord, it was happening. Yeah. And uh, so, but what I didn't realize is I was dying on the inside. What I didn't realize is my wife, more than anything, was dying on the inside. She was, she was the one that saw the greatness in me, but in the eyes of God. Please understand, when I say the word greatness, I mean greatness in I know, God. I, I want everybody to understand that's what I mean, greatness in God, not greatness in me personally. But over time, she had saw that man that she had seen in my eyes diminish. And what I realized, and I've learned over time, and I've been able to pour into other people, is just because the old man, the old Larry that was a sinner, is forgiven, and we talk about being born again and dead. Right. The mind is still the mind. The brain is still the brain. The memories are still your there. DNA is still your DNA. It's still my DNA. Yeah. And it was so what I didn't realize in another way that old man began to creep creep back in. Yeah. That 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 warfare started like Paul talks about in yes. Romans seven. And it came in a way that was so subtle that it I was blind to it. So it, it came to a moment, I'll never forget it. Uh, you know, here I am, pastor of church, got my two children, think I'm living the American dream. I'm living the dream of, of ministry. And I got through preaching a night. One night, altars were filled. People were saved. I mean, it was a powerful night. So we're driving back home. We stop at a little restaurant, a little fast food restaurant. We're sitting there. My kids are sitting over next to him. We're the only ones in the restaurant because it's so late. And I said, boy, that a great service. Wasn't that a great service? Powerful. Talking to my wife. I'll never forget it. She just put her head down. I said, what's wrong? What's wrong? Yeah. She grabbed my hand. She said, I can't go another day. I got to tell you something. I said, what? What is it, baby? She said, you are not the man I fell in love with. And she said, I don't know what's happened to you, Larry. But if you do not get back to the man I fell in love with, I'm giving you one year. One year. And if I don't see change in you and in our lives in one year, I love you, but I am leaving you. Wow. And she said, I will take our kids and I will leave you because I am not going to live with this man. She said, I, and these are the words I know I'd never hear, Pastor. Yep. The girl that said those five words that changed my life then said some other words. And her words were, I love you. I am not in love with you anymore. Mm. And I'm telling you, I was, it was a reverse of that courtroom scene. Yep. I was stunned again. And she wasn't trying to destroy me. No. She was trying to make me see what I had become. Yeah. She said, one year, one year. I promised her the moon that night. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't, I couldn't process what I heard. Yeah. But all I could do was just hear it. And I promised the moon, and I never told her this, and I don't even know if I've ever told her this. I'll be honest with you. All right. Driving home that night, I remembered my father promising the world to my mother that he would change if she would just stay. And oh, I, here reali you were, I realized oh, no. the man that I swore I'd never be, I became. Oh, and I realized, I said, I can't do this to her. I will not be that man. So I determined. That was, that was and I'll just go ahead and tell you, that was in 2006. Okay. And I determined by the end of 2007, I will show her 
that man is dead. Yeah. Little did I know what would happen to me in the process for me to finally, and I say it when I say me, I mean with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, crush that old man. In a lot of ways, being a pastor, and there's a lot of pastors that are probably watching the show tonight, it's a tough job because of the fact you're in a spiritual battle. We yes. fight, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood as much as we do principalities and powers. Yes. But at the same time, we also do, as Paul said, we do wrestle yes. the, the spirit and the flesh war. Yes. So as a pastor, uh, Satan hates you and tried to kill you in the beginning. Yep. And now wants to try to kill you here. Yep. Destroying your, your marriage, your life, your family. Yes. Your church, everything. Yeah. He's, yeah. Trying to, he's trying to ruin it. Yeah. And you have now come to this moment again, another defining moment Another in your defining life, moment, yes. Where you've got to turn things around. Do you think pastors out there a lot of time, and I'm just going to say it, get so busy trying to do the work of the Lord that they put, look, I know you're supposed to put God first, okay? Yeah. But yeah. I know this because yeah. I was bad for this. Yeah. Yeah. Putting God and the work of the Lord ahead yeah. of yes. my wife and everything, everything, kids, everything. Yes. Yeah. And God would have to rein me in. Yes. It's just because he, he, we have to be the whole person, don't we? We've yes. got to learn yes. balance. Yes. Yeah. And for pastors, that's one of the hardest things in the world. It's real hard. Because as you said, that spiritual and the flesh battle, it's hard enough on a child of God. But a pastor is not just responsible for his family first. Right. But he's also responsible for the family of God. Yes. So it's, you know, it's hard for anybody. I don't want you to think that we're saying pastors have a harder than you. No. No matter what occupation you have. Because people take their work home with them. Yeah. But pastors take their work home with them. But it is a spiritual work and right. battle that many times they'll find themselves helping the sheep while their own family, family. is dying. Yes. I, yeah. I remember times when my little, my little, my youngest daughter, you just pull it on my jacket, pull it on my jacket, and I'm just working, working, put, working on my sermon for the right. Lord, pulling on my jacket, pulling on my jacket. I'll never forget one particular time. She's like, and I, I said, what? Yeah. What do you want? She said, I just want to get in your lap. Yeah. And I was like, oh, God. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Get, yeah. Come here, baby. Come here, baby. Yeah. And I was doing the work of the Lord. Right. My daughter was dying right in front of me, and her spirit was dying. I was killing her spirit, and I didn't know I was doing that to my wife. I didn't know that while I'm just seeing all this success that I just am so thankful. This is what I dreamed, God, that you would do in my life. Right. She's sitting there in the audience and going, I'm happy for you. But I'm, I'm what about here. me? What yep. about me? And, so and it's I, not that she's being selfish here. No, no. Because, you know, no. your wife... She, she sacrificed. She dug, she dug oh, in there. Yeah, without she was, her. She you, was partner. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that there needs to be, a, we have to have balance. And yes. men are bad for this. Yes, and we and are. you know, we really are. Because yes. we're all or none guys. And you're a type A personality. So yes. I am too. Yes. Maybe double A. I might be a triple A. <laughs> <laughs> and we got to learn how to balance that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. age has helped me to balance Me that. too. Me also, too. a couple. Grandbabies. Uh, yeah, grandbabies. Grandbabies are good too. Yeah. 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 And you start saying, you know what? And the Lord starts showing you, you know what? You can, you can take a step back. It's okay. Yeah. And, and, and take your time with the kids and everything. His work will still be waiting for you yeah. when yeah. you get back. Yeah. And we're going to be waiting for you. Will you be waiting for us? Because you still, look, he hasn't even told the, no, no. maybe the best part of the story. Right. We'll be right back. Bishop, you said something to, mm. earlier about God gets blamed. Yeah. 
for a lot of things the devil does. Yeah, right. Yeah. Talk about that again. Well, you know, it, here's the thing. Life happens. Yeah. Life is going to happen to unbelievers. Life's going to happen to believers. And tragedies happen. Things happen all around us. And, you know, God does get blamed for a lot of things the devil does. But I'm going to go for a little step further. God gets blamed for a lot of things we do. And sometimes the devil gets blamed for things that's really our responsibility, oh. the decisions that we make. But the truth is, whether it was orchestrated, uh, allowed by God, or directly happened by the devil, or a stupid mistake we made, ultimately God's goal is for him to speak to us in that moment and use that moment for his glory. So I always try to say, if I, I don't know who's doing it. I just say, okay, God, I'm listening. You know, okay. you got my attention. <laughs> yeah. You got my attention. Yeah. I'm not blaming you for this because nope. I know you love me. Yes. So whatever I'm going through, you're going to get the glory out of this. Amen. So that's the redemptive story. Yeah. That's what Jesus came and died on the cross for folks to, to set us free from the bondage of sin, to break those chains that are binding your soul in our life. I mean, look, I'm tired of the devil mm. trying to destroy lives, homes, families, individuals, because as Larry's book says, there's greatness in you. Yes. And it's time, some point or another, you need to put them boots on. I got a pair of cowboy boots. Come Every on. Every now and I put them on cause, just because they stomp on the devil stronger than the hey. shoes I'm wearing right now. Come on. And there comes a time we need to do that. Yeah. yeah. Take authority. Yeah. Jesus gave us authority. Didn't yes, he? he did. Can I pray with you folks? Listen, in the name of Jesus, let Lord help the church to take control of their life, to listen to the Holy Ghost, that defining voice that can speak within them yes, and turn their life around and pick us up, God. Yes, Lord. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Larry, your story's not over. No. Don't, let's not leave Jonah it's in just the belly beginning. of the whale. Okay, don't yeah. do that. But next week, yeah. you're going to tell us yeah. what that year of getting back. Yeah. And it's a whole lot more than what we think. Oh, my goodness, yes. We'll see you next week.